Welcome to Odd Boy, true tales of someone just like you. Well, maybe just a little more odd. Oh yeah, I'm gay as fuck. Now, where was I? Odd Boy, Part 1, Gage. You ever think how perfect nature is? Eons of creation. The galaxies dot the vastness of our universe, each one a stylized product of their unfortunate or even blessed environment. Each biodome its own authentically unique, frigid, or molten hell. And we, all of us, exist here. Sheer luck, combined with science, lets us be a conscious, sentient species consciousness to experience perfectly structured ecosystems, and how absolutely meaningless we are in it. In fact, we are in a way, its enemy. Regardless, the ever-looming and present king of sadistic cynics, time, has spent eons working toward this moment, as it is, how it is. How absolutely egotistical and truly odd we are as a human race to think we, for some reason, have any significance in a grand picture of time's universe. I can tell you, without a fraction of a doubt, it doesn't give one fuck about you. God or no god, we're a blip on a rock hurtling through space. Religion is comfort for some, but doesn't change the fact. I still sometimes pray in irony. But I pray for the will to accept my place, and for others to have that ability too. To love who I am, what I am. And maybe more odd still, is the first time I had this thought, this enlightenment. It wasn't in Sunday school. It wasn't in college biology. It wasn't even starstruck driving under a blanket of cloudless night sky. No. The first time I had this thought, I was getting absolutely, mind-blowingly railed. It sure as shit wasn't lack of interest in the guy, cause... <laughs> he mattered very much. Especially at that moment making every nerve in my body sing with electricity in my universe. It may have been the fact that... <laughs> well, let's back up. It was just another Monday in November. Why do you do this to yourself? I thought, currently enduring a more brutal than normal sparring match rattling in my head. He was ten minutes late, but I couldn't judge. I was rarely on time. Honestly, I was just happy to be enjoying a beverage away from family. I had traveled for work the whole week prior, and now all the way to the coast for a week-long family Thanksgiving. I needed to take a breather, one that didn't involve sitting behind a steering wheel, or with a family that doesn't imbibe. I sipped on the inch of foam atop my ill-poured amber, now halfway gone, digesting into warm, fuzzed feelings. I shifted 
perched on a stool in the middle of a long window ledge, facing opposite the main bar. The central floor area sunk down a step, with a bank of red leather, upholstered booths, and a short drink rail dividing the space. Run down and cliché, but I'd still consider ordering seafood there. The large bank of windows splayed in front of me, extending the length of the wall in either direction, created a transparent barrier that guarded me from the cold, wet night. The building was planted on posts sitting on top of the river overlooking the water, which I was certain created spectacular views in the daylight. The rippling water jostling underneath was barely discernible in the downpour. The river sat black and enigmatic, dimly lit by the ambient city glow. There was enough orange hue streaming from the nearby parking lot to see the slight movement of the night tide ebbing and crashing into loose foam. A large silhouette of a ship anchored itself up the river, brightly outlined by harsh white fluorescence and smaller detail lights surrounding its bow. I thought of old wooden ships that must have sailed in this very water. I remembered learning, in history, how ports demanded a period of quarantine, anchoring offshore, much like the barge before me, for a month or more, to ensure no spreading of disease. I always thought that must be beyond frustrating. A long, rough sea voyage, then forced to stare at your destination in some twisted joke of death roulette. Not unlike my current situation of hurrying to get to the bar, to end up sitting, waiting, to stare at what I can't have. But tell that to the strained denim bursting at my pelvis while I shifted again thinking about my hopeful evening's compatriot. I began to feel eyes on me. I shook it off, but the feeling lingered. I assumed it had to be the bartender, my age or a little older, with halfway bleached blonde hair atop his head, accompanied by a black button-up. Well, I shouldn't say buttoned in any descriptive form. The shirt hung on him, mostly open, leaving little for an imagination to ponder, though admittedly, I did end up pondering quite a bit. He leaned lackadaisically on the bottle display behind the bar, the last time I checked. The reflection in the window confirmed my suspicions as I refocused my eyes from the outside view. I let it go. He was bored. Granted, there was a table to be bussed from a group that left when I sat down, I tried to not take their abrupt exit personally. I tilted my head away from the reflection to view the only other patrons sitting to my left in a corner booth. A man and woman sat leaning into each other. She giggled as he spoke softly in her ear, while she playfully teased his arm hair with her French tips. She was pretty, wearing a tight blue dress and an unnecessarily large amount of fake jewelry for a Monday night. The man was average, with thinning hair, and a few extra pounds around his face and midriff. His peach-colored shirt and Carhartts left a bit to be desired. The unshaven stubble was forgiven, but the slicked-back hair was making me more seasick than the gentle rocking I felt from the water beneath us. A graveyard of martini glasses perched on the table buried his couple of bottles of Bud Light. Putting two and two together, I knew what he was aiming at getting tonight. I took a big gulp, 
rolling my eyes, then another, slightly lifting the corner of my mouth in a smirk while I drank. Lucky bastard, I thought. It had been months since I had gotten any form of... anything. My fault, if I'm being honest, which I promised I would be to you all. And it wouldn't be remedied this evening either. Between my family in tow and my compatriot for the evening's living situation, anything wasn't on the table. A playful kiss at the end would be a teasing fucking joy, but I'd take it, assuming he'd want one. Many a beer meetup for me ushered a brief, one-armed hug and a lofty promise to hit up. I looked down at my phone's sudden illumination. About to leave. Sorry. They're in ten. The old friends were back. The things that make me squirm worse than my currently tightened pants. Butterflies. A streamlined course of events at this juncture of what could lay out the scene in most of the tales I'll tell you. About to play out before me. There was always the mystery of getting to know someone. The mental and verbal repartee. The mind games you play with them. And the ones you play in your head as if both of you are an invisible game of chess. In some cases, strip chess. Laying each other bare, whether in truths told or in your mind's filthy, lusting eye, where the best-case scenario, both parties restrain themselves from meeting up in the bathroom, barely enough time to latch the door lock before the heavy groping. The less appealing ulterior was trying to figure out which friend to text in said bathroom to come save your ass. This, however, was a meeting of infatuation. It's why I was kicking myself. I was waiting for not much purpose, other than to meet someone in the flesh, to then never see again. To my mind, a meetup should be with some opportunity, whether to window shop for later, build a friendship, work towards finding that significant other, or sometimes just end up in bed, covered in sweet, glistening sweat. So why put myself through this hornful torture? Simply, I wanted to meet him. He seemed different, and sane, in our small back and forth, a rarity in the online app scene. Some of the messages, well, were a bit heated, as they tended to get. Innuendo-laden promises made that would make one's mother blush, all of which were made much easier delivered through the wall of technology. A different ball game is staring directly into each other's eyes and telling them how Badly, you want them to run their tongue down your torso, to taste you, play with you? I replied back. Awesome, just ordered a beer. I observe myself through an omniscient lens quite often, as if I'm a creature in the wild in a nature documentary. I discerned from oversensing affirmation and intuitive data over time that I had to be extroverted if I wanted a social life. I tend to be unapproachable. Not because I'm off-putting to most, though some might cry utter bullshit to that statement. 
I find I'm intimidating. I come across as one thing, one type, one quietly sorted, often out of reach person. While I appreciate the ego inflating boost, it's a mind fuck. One I don't readily understand, so I don't try. I just let myself be what I was built to be. My ecosystem. Still, mental tsunamis of overthinking plague my mind. Especially when the guy I was meeting seemed on point. Funny how tables turn when dealing with my own unapproachable guys. So this guy, this sexy as fuck unapproachable guy, it was his profile photo that had me waiting on this uncomfortable torn leather stool like a fool. He was cute, nope, handsome, even. No, he was fucking it. Dusty brown hair, tall, and fit. By my standards, sexy. I'm sure a lot of guys felt this exact way, too. What got me, more than the rippling stomach or the perfect curve connecting his pectorals to his rounded shoulders, was, interestingly enough, his smile. He was captivating. He seemed eager to meet me, and I wasn't going to question it too hard. But it had me on edge. Small towns and perfect guys were often a fallacy, so even at the risk of a heinous catfish, I was willing to roll the dice. Stories, good or bad, only come to those that live, or so the saying goes. So yes, in this vast universe, this is me, sitting at a bar at 9.40pm, foolishly waiting for a stranger to walk through the door. I took another gulp of my drink, nearly emptying it. As if he had been waiting for the cue, the ever-present bartender behind me appeared. His taut chest was in full display, offering me new things to shift about, and his gruff, the pleasant voice asked, Another one, cutie? He bent past the adjacent stool to wipe a smudge from the marbled green formica. Going it alone tonight? He then asked. I assumed to gauge how many to offer if I was driving, but then realized it probably wasn't about me driving at all. Trying not to stare, as there was little to be mad at right in front of me, I nodded. Yeah, I'll have another, and no, just waiting for someone. They're running a little late, I answered. He stood there a little longer, continuing to wipe, so I decided to continue as well. Pretty hopping for a Monday, I joked, also knowing I start conversations. How busy does this place get during the week for you? The goal was to try and expel some nervous energy before he arrived. Strike up a little pre-conversation to lubricate the social muscles for the sordid affair ahead of me. I fidgeted with my glass, holding a half-swallow of warm beer. He huffed a laugh. Ugh, I know. <laughs> Not too busy on weeknights, but... On the weekends, it picks up, and way more in the summers with the cruise ships and coast travelers. I actually live the next city over, just come here a few nights a week. You're from Montana? I looked at him surprised. How'd you know that? <laughs> Your ID stud. I have friends there, actually. He grinned. 
I offered a smile back, and nodded thinking I should have put two and two together myself. I find it funny, because a lot of people say that. Someone always knows someone from Montana, I said with a teasing grin, taking the glass up in a fake cheers. I set the glass down, somehow off kilter, causing it to tip over with a ringing clang. I fumbled my hand speedily to correct it, setting it upright with a thud. I could feel the couple to my right look over from their inebriated cooing. Well, at least it was empty, he said, with a laugh, confiscating it from my grasp. So do I need to cut you off, or... He gested with a wink. No, I said, and I put my hand up to my face, rubbing my cheek up to my forehead. Just nervous, I guess. Why did you say that out loud? I saw a smirk run across his face. Do I make you nervous? Oh, no, I retorted through a levity-forced smile. You're good, just haven't been, I mean... I stuttered. I'm meeting this guy, and... Well, I didn't know if I should try and explain that I bat for the other team. I mean, clearly, this guy did. Or did he? I don't like assuming, but maybe I was just wishing. Looking at him, I'd have gladly just removed the pointless shirt on him right then. It's a small town, though, and maybe this guy is a prick. Would I get kicked out or just get my ass kicked if I was completely wrong? He interjected, thank God. Oh, no worries, cutie. <laughs> Guy looking for a date with you? <laughs> Sign me up. Seems like a good night ahead then. I don't mind being gay. Love it, actually. I'm fully comfortable as I am. But if a gay man tells you they don't gird themselves, even slightly, before announcing their homosexuality in a non-gay establishment, they'd be lying. And if they don't, they are warriors, and I sincerely applaud them. What's your date's name? Gage. His, his name's Gage. I smiled, looking down at the counter, not going to correct him on the label for the evening. Oh, okay, well, I'm Trent. I will go grab you another handsome. Be right back. I nodded with a smile, and he returned back behind the bar. I couldn't help but notice the saunter now, and the sudden drop in machismo. I guess we were all suddenly kindred spirits, friends of Dorothy. No use for the veil put up to the world to make ourselves feel safer. We were in good company. Company I wished I could take and rip those tight-ass jeans down to his ankles and enjoy the fruits they offered. But nonetheless, a family. I shook my head at myself as I sat alone again. They probably know each other. Small town gays. I'm sure he comes in. They've probably fucked. He did suggest the place. I focused back outside and noticed there were actually others on the premises. On the porch area, next to the side door along the windowed wall, sat an older couple wrapped in a quilted blanket strewn across the neighboring chairs butted together. Beside them were two cups of coffee and a couple of lowballs, now empty with only remnants of melting ice. It began to sprinkle again, causing the water's surface to go fuzzy, 
and a slight mist to tatter at the windows where the awning's protection fell short as a gust of wind blew through. They drew in closer to each other and shielded themselves, holding the fabric up from their laps. They lowered it again as the wind gust died and continued to stare at the water. In a slow and steady motion, they looked at each other with grins across their faces. He leaned in and said something to her. She then shook her head. Without hesitation, they both went in for a soft kiss, I'm sure similar to others they had shared thousands of times before. A kiss that only time can create and perfect. One written into their bones. After, she laid the top of her head full of long braided gray hair onto his shoulder. He took both mugs in his hands and presented one to her, which she grabbed. I saw the steam rise from them, trying its hardest to fight the frigid mist and cool breeze. They sat perfectly still, head on shoulder, blanket sprawled, staring into the distance of an autumn, November night on the coast. Wow. It must have been my outside voice that said it too, as I then heard beside me, They come in every week. Order the same thing. A wet glass came into focus before me with freshly poured brew, a bit of foam drizzling down the side again, as I snapped to the current moment. It's really sweet. They only ever tip me two dollars, but that's goals. I said wistfully in agreeance. Definitely goals. Maybe tonight's the night, he chided. Or is this just a, you know... He then suddenly got embarrassed. A feeling I didn't see coming based on the external bravado he seemed to exude. Oh god, that's not cool to ask. Fuck. (laughs) Then laughed at himself, firmly planting his hand to his head in a quick shake. I sipped the foam. Oh, no, I stated firmly. He's out of my league, and I'm crazy, so... That'd be his demise. I offered a relaxed smile, expelling the awkwardness. We're just meeting for a drink. If he's out of your league, you better fucking have a brother. I laughed as I sipped more foam off the top of my drink. I set the glass down carefully this time, and leaned back into my stool, unsure what to say. Except maybe to pull up a stool... Clearly nobody else was in and needing him. Trent then smiled and said, Well, I'll keep out an eye for whatever soccer player level hottie you got coming in. Trent walked away, with a gentle push on the shoulder, as I gave a smile at the quip. God, he's actually fucking sexy. It had, in fact, been 20 minutes, not 10 So needless to say, I was not expecting much more than the beer in front of me and a quick drive back to the family. Not wanting to concede to the idea I may have been ghosted, I began to mindlessly stare at the window again, taking in the night and what my options were. And the second the thought entered my head I should move my night's trajectory toward my newfound, half-shirtless buddy Trent behind the bar, My phone lit up again. 
just parked. I don't know what it was in that moment, but I felt a shift. I knew that night was going to be something. I let out a long, slow breath. I looked at my reflection in the window, making sure my hair was good and together, tugged down my shirt and pulled my long sleeves up my forearms. I sat forward, leaning against the counter and watched my phone's screen dim. Playing the game, I woke it again and opened Instagram, so I would at least look like I had been doing something, not just sitting and waiting. I looked out the window toward the parking lot and saw a tall figure walking toward the building. His coat and shimmering hair became more visible by the parking lot lamp with every stride. His steps then took a faster gait, I assumed to lessen his time in the misty rain. He then looked out over the water for a moment, his face now in full view, and after, turned profile toward the door to march in. He was very much... him. The Adonis in the photos. The person I had been, painstakingly, hard on laden, waiting for. It hit me he would be entering the door across the room and looking for me, and my head got foggy. Stop it, I rationalized. He suggested a beer. He wanted to do this. Chill. Just chill. I took a nice deep breath and centered myself. But fuck, he's hot. He walked into the entryway. I could see him hunching down to watch his feet scraping the rug through the small glass window in the inner door, jostling wet off himself. Entering the room, he shook his head to expel more water. He continued his stride behind the bank of booths, glancing around, scanning the room. He spotted me. Not that it was difficult in the empty space. He smiled from ear to ear. That fucking perfect smile. I smiled back, raising my hand in a still wave. Continuing toward me, he walked past the bar where Trent, with his sexy smirk, was now leaning against the liquor wall again. Gage gave him a quick head nod, and Trent twiddled his hand in reciprocation. Fuck, they know each other. He trotted down the step to the sunken area where I was. I dimmed the light on my phone and presented myself by spinning the stool and hopping down. Hey! He reached forward and spread his arms, beckoning a hug. I obliged. He wrapped his long, muscled arms around me. I could feel the warmth of his body through his t-shirt, and it was a feeling I didn't know I had missed. The warmth of a man butted up against me, his torso fully pressing into the crevices and nooks of mine. I could tell at this moment, the photos of himself he sent were recent, which meant he was probably not lying about everything below that shirt, either. His broad back tightened as he squeezed his arms over mine, even tighter in this somewhat longer-than-usual first embrace. He smelled like a walk through the forest after it rained. 
Hey, I replied. Made it finally. Huh, I thought. Let the games begin. I noted not only the physical, but mental solidness he exuded. Only one other guy in my little black book has ever hugged upon the first introduction the way Gage did. The other guy also happened to be the former love of my life. I brushed it off. He could hug me all he wanted. Fuck, I'd let him hug me the whole time we were talking, I liked it that much. Too much. I was glad that it broke the physical tension right away, though. But there I was thinking too much again. I did, I did, he said, releasing me from him. He tossed his water-spotted jacket on the counter next to him, where Trent had just wiped. Ugh, what a long day! What are you drinking? I'm so sorry I am late. Story of my life. Had to get cleaned up after work and got out of there late on top of it. I didn't want to look bad for you. He rubbed his face in frustration, and then gave a silly giggle, with what, I think, I caught was a hint of nerves as well. All good. I was late in texting you today. That's normally me, I said, grinning. I answered. Then, it's an amber. I forget the name. But it's good. He affirmed with an alike grin and sat down. Our legs intertwined like a zipper's teeth. And he scooted his stool even closer, cementing the position we'd be in. Not touching, but I could feel his heat again, and every part of me both tensed and relaxed at the same time. I wasn't just comfortable. I was fucking perfect. He leaned back and I took him in. His heathered, dark blue v-neck hugged his long, lean torso, and his jeans fit snug to his thighs, wrapping themselves down to his calves. I noticed his sienna brown oxfords, now perched on my stool's footrest, that I could tell he loved as they were nicely worn. Slip in a compliment on those, I noted. Is he power playing with this position? This is so... interesting. I thought, trying to recollect the last time a guy had done anything to this caliber so soon. He was just... himself. Was this something I could... someone I could... just be me with? Hmm. Well, I don't know what mood I'm in, but I'm sure Trent will give me the usual to start and we'll go from there. Then laughed, giving a quick glance up, then back to me. He was being quite tentative his stares piercing my eyes as if trying to understand, wanting to learn more. I like your hair, he added without warning. You're way handsome. He held his eye lock with me, an air of uncertainty for the first time tinged in their aqua blue. I could feel my cheeks redden slightly. He was intense and relentless. I could feel that yearning inside me, something I knew I wanted all night, but it was plain as day now. I would have dropped the last bit of funds from my bank account to get a motel that second if it meant being able to feel him in every capacity, 
worship that perfect visage with no holding. No, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Just tell the story. Like it was. No need to expound on what could have been. At least at that moment. I rebounded. Well, thank you. Quite dashing yourself. Uh, nice to put a cute face with a picture. <laughs> and uh, I think we have the same hairstylist by the look of it. So nice hair to you too. I commented as I slid my menu over to just in front of him. In case Trent is having an off night. He palmed it, spinning it gracefully upright. He chuckled and smiled, nodding his head, playing along as he examined my hair a little more. Yeah, I think we might. Looks good, though, he said. Very good. He eyed me up and down again. I couldn't spare a second to consider it. I was doing the same. Sorry, he quickly slipped in, taking the moment back with a shake to his head. Just happy we're here now. I tittered, then said, I concur, but you're looking good too. I love your shoes, they're awesome. I pointed down to his feet. I feel underdressed now. He smiled. Thank you, I love these. I don't know what I'll do when they finally wear out, which will be soon. He lifted his outside leg from the inadvertent lock and showed me some wear on the side. I've had these forever. One point for me, I checked in my head. He replaced his leg on the stool, but mindfully, willingly, purposefully, he scooted himself over to have them touch in a sensual pressure. He then took his hand and patted my thigh, which turned into a quick rub, breaking the physical tension even more. I loved him for it, and hated him a little too. One point for him. Letting his hand linger, and just smiling at me, he yelled, I need a drink so bad, who does one have to fuck to get a drink around here? Then looked up at Trent, who, like the magic fairy goddess she was, was trotting this way with a freshly made beverage. That would be me, and you could only be so lucky, he clapped back. A fresh cocktail was put in front of Gage, tequila-based by the smell, and Trent looked at me. I assumed it was this one, hoped really, then laughed. They chit-chatted and small-talked to catch up, including me as they could. Gage never stopped rubbing my leg and was having a rough time breaking eye contact to connect with Trent. As they laughed, I swooned a bit over the sincerity in Gage's bellows. I watched the dynamic they had. Comfortable, somewhat effortless, and long-standing friends was the vibe. But there was something I couldn't quite put my finger on. I'll leave you two to it. Yell if you need. And Trent walked back to the bar to perch and most likely watch the two of us as he had been doing with me all evening. For a brief moment, I imagined tossing myself around in bed with both of them, together. It was a brief moment, one I have whenever I meet a couple I know is open, 
and definitely spoke to how fucking sexually charged I was right now. But I then became strongly aware of the feeling again of Gage's hand caressing my thigh. This moment, here, with him, I took a deep drink of my amber. So, tell me about you, he said. Favorite song, favorite food, favorite sex position, go. He then took a gulp of his drink to match mine, to which I then realized half of it disappeared and was now gone. He signaled Trent for two more. I realized one for me. Intuitively, I understood three things about the evening Gage and I were about to have. I knew we were vastly aware of what we were doing to each other, and were both very much wanting the same thing, no matter how impossible it was. He was a doer, and wasn't going to let up for one second, and I wasn't going to stop him. I also knew Trent would be a question mark as an unforeseen but not unwelcome third-wheel wildcard to the night's bar-time craziness. I needed to dive into their dynamic more, learn what I could without asking too many questions. And the final thing I knew about this stormy, static autumn night on a family gathering at the coast, Gage and I were going to fuck. I suddenly remembered, back to his profile, 6'2", 170, muscular b- Oh shit. He's a top. Tune in next week for part two of Odd Boy, Gage, an Audiopod series. Brought to you by Wandering Unicorn Productions. Like and follow Odd Boy's Instagram at oddboypod. Or if you have longer thoughts or want to get in contact, oddboypod at gmail.com. Have a great week. And just remember, always stay a little odd.